Last spring, you chose hardworking seed, but did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed perform on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And we are live. Welcome in, everybody, to a live episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast simulcasting on YouTube and Facebook. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime, you know him, you love him, is the lead NFL writer for heavy.com. He is Zach Kellerman. Also, his writings, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute, a little tease, to be found elsewhere. And and when I say elsewhere, a lot closer to home for our viewers and listeners here. But uh, Zach, how you doing, bro? I'm good. Uh, Broncos got back to practice today. I'm excited to talk about the latest on Drew Locke. It seems like that's all any Broncos fan wants to talk about for good reason. So we hope to uh, placate the masses tonight. I mean, at this stage, it's like, uh, forgive me, I can't remember which one of our viewers, our live viewers said this after the game on uh, Sunday after the Minnesota collapse, but they want meaning for these games. The season's over in terms of postseason implications, making it to the playoffs. It ain't going to happen. And fans want this this season to have some kind of meaning, a reason to watch. And Drew Locke at this stage is the only thing keeping that fire lit for Broncos fans, I think, at all. Right. And, you know, but there's other re- – I even tweeted this, I be, I believe, about an hour ago. There's other reasons to watch the Broncos. Even if Locke doesn't play this year, you can watch Cortland Sutton do Cortland Sutton things. You can watch the Broncos' young talent develop. And also, it's still Broncos football. And you're going to miss that in February and March when those withdrawals start setting and you're going to wish for any football. So even if Locke doesn't play, which he will, you enjoy the last rest of the season. They have glimmers of hope, and it's still fun to watch the Broncos play. Amen to that. You guys – I'm t- I teased it a little bit, but for those of you who've been with us for a long time, listening to the show, following my work, following Zach's work individually, a lot of you got confused when all of a sudden Mile High Huddle stopped being on the 24-7 Sports Network, and then all of a sudden also Zach was publishing articles on a different team and for a different website. It's been very confusing for a lot of people, and you know, there's been a without going into all the sordid history and details of what led to that. Most of you understand and know that that was outside of our control, what happened. And in fact, basically what it really boils down to is 24-7 Sports decided to get out of the NFL business, roll it all into CBS Sports, and keep 24-7 a college thing. So we took our talents elsewhere. As a publisher, I was fortunate and able to take Mile High Huddle to a new platform at Sports Illustrated. Zach sought some work elsewhere with Heavy.com. But 
we kept the partnership going here on the podcast, plugging away each and every day for you guys. And we're happy to report that Zach is returning as an actual byline, as an author, as a writer. This time, though, as a columnist at milehighhuddle.com, once a week or so, you'll be able to read some deep dive analysis, maybe some hot takes here and there. You know, Zach, <laughs> maybe on your Denver Broncos. So, uh, Zach's got some stuff cooking up for you here that he'll be debuting very soon at milehighhuddle.com. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I hope Broncos fans are kind of, you know, I know I've missed writing about the Broncos. I hope Broncos country, at least our uh, our subscribers and our followers here, will like to read what I have to write. Not so much news-based this time, but I want to just get out there. I want to maybe start a mailbag I can answer once a week. I can take tackle the question, turn it into a column. Chad and I have some content ideas, but like he said, it's exciting that I'm returning to the Mile High Huddle brand as a writer, getting back into writing about the Broncos. I hope you guys read what I write because I know I'm excited to write it. It's going to be awesome, man. We're I'm excited to read your your first article officially. Appreciate It'll be it coming out here soon. So look forward to that, you guys. And of course, once you see it, make sure you smash the share button, tweet it out there, get it out to everybody, and help us blow up Zach Kelberman's uh, column that he's going to be publishing once a week at MileHighHuddle.com. So keep an eye out for that. Now, a couple of quick reminders, and then we're going to dive into today's topics. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, you guys. Super easy to do. That's the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. So many of you are are funneling and migrating over your, and following the show on Twitter. It's really helping to beef the numbers there. And also, it's just, you know, when we have changes in programming, when we have things come up, polls, we need anything from you guys. That's the, the easiest way without actually podcasting live to reach you guys and for you to stay on top of what we're doing. So make sure you follow the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. And then another quick reminder, guys, and then we're going to get into the real meat and potatoes of today's show. Take some time, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a creative review. If you like what Zach and I are doing here on the Huddle Up Podcast, leave us a five-star rating. What that does is two things. I'm going to put the link here in the comment stream. What that does is it enters you into our drawing, our giveaway that we do each and every month. We draw a couple of randomly selected reviewers off of Apple Podcasts and give away some swag like this hat or like this shirt that Zach's wearing here, Football Priest, Huddle Up Podcast on the back. And uh, it also helps support the show. It's a great way to organically support the Huddle Up Podcast. So take care of that. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Last spring, you chose hardworking seed. But did it work as hard as you did? At NK Seeds, we know that all the time, all the effort comes down to this. All that matters now is yield and how the seed perform on your acre. Because you can't fake performance. And bushels don't lie. Local results coming soon. Visit nkseeds.com slash harvest. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, we're going to get to what is on the minds of our awesome listeners and viewers here in just a second. First, though, well, we let's let's give some love to our super chat mm-hmm. donations already tonight. Jay Thomas from across the pond, chipping in 10 pounds. He says, Zach writing articles again at MHH is music to my ears. I, Jay, I really appreciate that. I see some other comments in there by Mitch Mann, by uh, Stu, both Stu's, I believe, uh, Primakov. I, I really appreciate you guys, the support I'm seeing. And to donate for that cause, uh, Jay, I really do appreciate that. I am personally really excited to be back in the My Lie Huddle domain, dropping Broncos stories. I am touched and honored and appreciative that you guys want to read them. Amen. Big Daddy Kane getting in on the action, Thank supporting the show you. with a $20 donation on Super Chat. Appreciate you, bro. Really, that goes a long way. Yes. Helps keep the lights on, helps us continue to bring you this content each and every day. Dylan chipping in with a $40 donation you, on Super Chat. Been watching these guys for about two years now, and they never disappoint. Hit that subscribe button. Amen, Dylan. Thanks to each and Appreciate every one you. of you guys. Personal hype, man. Amen to that. All right. Let's talk on some some topics. We'll we'll uh, we'll get to Stu here. Just one second. I'm sure you guys want to know what in the heck was going on with that Orson Charles signing. So mm. you know Andy Janovich, the elbow dislocated it. For those that, that missed it in the Minnesota game, he's done for the season. Well, the Broncos, Zach, they reached a fork in the road. Do they do what they did to start the season? Because let's go back in time a little bit. Rewind. Andy Janovich uh, suffers the pec injury in the preseason, and so he opens up. The, the regular season on the sideline, not injured reserve, but on the sideline. And instead of carrying Orson Charles, who was with the team during tr- training camp and preseason, the Broncos waved him, cut him loose and used Andrew Beck, the tight end to serve as the fullback for that three game stretch in which Andy Janovich was working back from the pack. I thought surely the Broncos would get by with Andrew Beck for the rest of the season because they could use that spot on the 53 roster for a guy whose name rhymes with shock, maybe <laughs> other Drew words Lockett. too. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And uh, but that's not how it shook out. They ended up deciding to bring on Orson Charles, who is, I mean, he's a solid fullback, tight end, hybrid guy. Nothing to write home about. Probably isn't able to really contribute and do much more than what Andrew Beck was able to do this first quarter of the season. I'm not crazy about this move. I know it's it's kind of inconsequential to the Broncos' rest of the season dra- plans, but I would prefer to have Beck in that role only because, like we talked about, you can kind of get uh, production from both spots. It's like having a fullback and a tight end on the roster because he plays both. Why would you want to add another one when you already have the guy? I'm not a fan of this move. He doesn't move the needle to me at all. No. He's the definition of a jag to me, just another guy. And no. uh, that's just Fangio and Elway doing more questionable roster math, Chad. And not only that, but you had your, I mean, going into last week, you would have had to have cut somebody if the injury bug hadn't have struck Andy the way it did. And it's unfortunate, but it gave you your easy opportunity to fit Drew Locke onto the roster. Now you're going to have to crush somebody's dream. Maybe it ends up being Orson Charles that you send packing. Maybe you cut or wave uh, Brett Rippon eventually if you end, when you end up promoting Drew Locke. But it was just another it just doesn't make sense. So much of what the Broncos have done. And this is one of those things that, you know, it, it borders on the Drew Locke issue. And anything that, that uh, you know, uh, pertains or applies to Drew Locke this season, Zach, as we're going to talk about here with what Vic Fangio said today, it just doesn't add up. 
it's it's all contradictory. We were talking about that off off air, Chad, that they don't really align, and that's what we've always been saying. Elway and Fangio and Scangarello, Ellis, none of them are all on the same page. So that's what happens. We get conflicting uh, messages out there. But if you want to read between the lines, I guess you can infer that wanting to sign Charles or re-sign Charles as opposed to create that roster path for Drew Locke which suggests the Broncos really aren't in a rush to get him on the field, which may suggest the Broncos really aren't that high on him, which may suggest he's not going to be their franchise quarterback. I know. I mean, that's the problem is all the farther the Broncos get into this failed season without getting a healthy Drew Locke on the field, the more it leaves we in media, fans across the country, speculate. to infer and speculate and things that might not necessarily even be true. But at this stage, they've gone to such great lengths to keep Drew Locke off the field that you have to question and wonder what the heck is really going on. Stuart McPeak, by the way, great supporter of the show. You'll be getting a t-shirt for sure. $50 donation on Super Chat. And by the way, guys, the Super Chat, just a reminder, is when our listeners donate on Super Chat, merch comes your way to our biggest donators and supporters on Super Chat. So, uh, Stuart, we've been in contact, and we'll be if if you're one of our super chat donors, you haven't heard from us yet. That's coming very soon. We're going to be in in contact to get you guys a T-shirt. So yeah. stay tuned for that. And it's also a super chat. The way the stream works, it pops out right to us. We can get your question right away. Yeah. Um. But Zach, and again, guys, we're going to get to what's on your minds here in the comments stream. Don't worry about it. We will get to it. But I wanted to get your thoughts, Zach, on a couple of Vic Fangio's comments. Uh, he was asked today whether or not how important is it to get Drew Locke some experience, some starting experience this year, you know, and the basically the implication being in the wake of a failed season and with Drew uh, or excuse me, with Joe Flacco on injured reserve, how important is it to get Drew Locke on the field? And to paraphrase him, he said, not it's not vitally important. That's what he said to get Drew Locke playing experience later on in the conversation. He was asked. Um, he actually echoed Fangio, something you and I have said quite a bit. You know, there's the the whole talking point that, and I still hear this from some fans as well, and even some colleagues in media that, well, he's not ready. And if he's not ready, you don't want to throw him out there and ruin him, right? The idea that he, you know, you don't want to put him behind Garrett Bowles, for example, or you don't want to throw him into the fire too quick because that can sour him, ruin him, you poison the well. And what could have been, you'll never know. And he'll just be this ruined product. And you and I, we've basically been of the opinion that, Look, if he can't, it might not be pretty. You know, he's going to go through trial and error. There will be bumps in the road. But if he can't get in there and hang and contend and weather the storm and falls flat on his face without showing any kind of spunk to overcome, then he wasn't meant to be the guy anyway. And here's, I want to get your take on this. Here's what Fangio said, quote, on what he does to prevent a young quarterback like Locke from getting overwhelmed. He says, quote, I don't worry too much about him getting overwhelmed because some people, well, he can get overwhelmed, and then his career is scarred. If a guy gets scarred from some bad performances, whether they're all his fault or it's the team's fault, then he probably wasn't the guy you wanted anyway. Close quote, Zach. So it's questionable. He says it's not vital that he needs to be on the field this year, but at the same time doesn't seem too concerned about, quote-unquote, throwing him to the wolves too early or ruining him or overwhelming him. 
But it also seems like they want to put him in a perfect team situation. And then they say, well, if it's the team's fault, too, you can't leave that possibility open. It's one or the other. You either put him in a position where it's all perfect or near perfect, or you throw him in as is and, and hope to see what he gets. We're of the opinion, Chad, he needs to get on the field one way or the other. If he's going to get out there and his career is going to be over after a one bad game or whatever, his confidence is going to be shot, then you're right. He was never the guy. But these are excuses to me. To say these things in a lost season already, you're, you just blew a 20-point lead. You don't have any hope for the future at quarterback. Why keep this guy on the bench? Why keep making excuses after excuses and openly and publicly contradicting yourself? They are saying two completely completely different things, and it's not two different people now. It's not Elway and Fangio. It's Fangio saying something one day and then saying something different the next. It, it leads me to believe that we have nothing else to go on, Chad, but they are in no rush to get him on the field, and I don't think their confidence in him is all that high. AJ wants to know what we think about with a $2 donation on Super Chat. Thank, Thank you, you, AJ. He wants to know what our thoughts are on the team dinner. For those who missed it, following the Minnesota game, which was early, according to Mountain Time, right, they got home pretty early by the time they uh, you know took the flight and got back to Denver. And so the whole team went out. It was kind of organized and spearheaded by Vaughn Miller. The whole team went out and enjoyed a dinner together. And it was a, you know, the players who attended described it as being, it was a great time and uh, uh, chemistry building, team building kind of moment outside of football for the guys. What I thought of the team dinner was, hey, that's great. You know, that's anytime you can get the, t- the dudes together to bond off the field. I can only Zach see that as paying dividends in some way on the field. I mean, I agree with you, but knowing me, let me play devil's advocate. I I don't think after blowing a 20-point lead in that game, you're going to go out for dinner and pretend everything's good. It doesn't really send the best message to me, but that's just my point of view. I can also see it as building camaraderie, and a couple people, Will Parks, Von Miller, mentioned that the culture now is different because they're sticking together. I just don't see it as something to celebrate after blowing that type of game. If they would have won, sure, but after a loss, I don't know about that. Yeah, and even Chris Harris, he was asked how he enjoyed himself at the game at the uh, dinner, and he's like, "Well, you know, I put on a, a happy face to paraphrase him, but you know, I don't like losing." And I think you're right. Like for Harris, a guy who's been to the top of the mountain with the Broncos, winning Super Bowl Fifty and four Pro Bowls, three All Pro nods in his career as a Bronco, he felt a little uncomfortable going out like that. I think, and uh, you know, this is this is. I'm not trying to put words in Chris's mouth. This is me reading between the lines. He felt a little uncomfortable going out in a in an environment like that after such an historic collapse. I mean, it's it really was a historic collapse, and and the defense especially. I mean, it's the dinner was spearheaded by Vaughn, and you know it was the defense's fault basically that the Minnesota Vikings were able to storm back. The offense had a chance late. Brandon Allen botched the clock on that fourth and one where he picked up 11 yards. He didn't get out of bounds and all that. But at the end of the day, Zach, it was Von Miller. It was Chris Harris Jr. It was that side of the ball, Vic Fangio's defense, that allowed the Vikings to score touchdowns on four consecutive mm-hmm. possessions in the second half. I think it's interesting, too, that Vaughn is the one that put on the dinner, knowing how apathetic Vaughn's looked this year and knowing that there might have been some friction between him and Fangio. For him to organize a celebratory get-together after suffering, like you said, a historic defeat, it doesn't really totally sit right with me. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to go on a tangent here, but I don't think that was a necessary move. And then to flex about that after the fact, it just makes it doubly worse. I want to get back to this Drew Locke thing, though, for for just a minute, not to flog a dead horse here, but... Vic Fangio, for those of you who missed it, he went on KOA Radio on Tuesday. He does a weekly segment on Logan and Lewis. 
And he was asked, you know, like, does, well, well, he was asked about Drew Locke and, you know, what to expect. And he basically said, look, we're going to do again this week what we did last week. He's going to get some scout team reps and he's also going to, we're going to peel off some first team reps for him. Um, but, uh, you know, then we'll see if he's ready to be the backup and that'll be the next step for him. Intimating that in order for Locke to get on the field as a starter, he first at least needs to have a game suited up on the sideline, clipboard in hand, you know, earpiece in and be the backup. Well, Vic Fangio kind of contradicted himself on that on uh, today at the podium. He was asked first and foremost, if he's any closer to targeting a time for when Drew Locke will appear in a regular season game, quote, no, not yet. And then he was asked whether or not Locke does need to be the backup before he can be the starter, Zach, quote, not necessarily, but it may work out that way, close quote. Zach, do you foresee this as being a guy who literally goes from injured reserve to the starting lineup, or do you think the Broncos will, in fact, make him the backup at some point in the in the near future, and then that'll be the, the stepping stone to be in the starter? I just don't see, based on the way they've handled him the last six months or so, based on the way they've handled him since they drafted him, I don't see how they're going to just thrust him in there to the starting lineup when they seem pretty content with Brandon Allen, at least as the the band-aid for now as the young band-aid I don't I I have to see Locke on the field I have to see him at practice this I'm thinking from the Broncos scope here they're not going to throw him into the Wolves Fangio and Elway keep talking about not putting him in a dangerous situation even though they're contradicting themselves I don't see how you can put anyone especially a raw quarterback from being totally cold on the sidelines to being in the starting lineup I think they have to gradually work him in I just would have preferred they would have had him practice earlier this season not put him on IR and all these other hindsight moves that you know, we can't change now. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. At Firehouse Subs, a portion of every purchase helps provide life-saving equipment to first responders. We make our subs differently because our subs can make a difference every day. That's why we're bringing back our daily medium sub special. Enjoy a different handcrafted medium sub at a special price for every day of the week. From Meatball Monday to Italian Sunday. Get it for a limited time, only at Firehouse Subs. Tap the banner now to start your pickup order. It just continues to mystify all of us. There's just, it doesn't make any sense. Before we we turn the page and we'll get to this question from uh, Tony here on our Super Chat. But do you see, you know, another week has gone by really since we've asked this question. But when do you see... Drew Locke actually hitting the field this year. What week? Uh, 
I, I was going to say week 13 after the Vikings game, but based on their comments, Chad, I don't, I think it's a little optimistic, maybe week 14 now as a best case scenario, but definitely I would say week 16 and week 17 would be Drew Locke's weeks for sure. He should get more than that, but I think that's the bare minimum. He absolutely should get more than that. And the way the team continues to slow roll it publicly, the things Fangio are saying is saying again this week, I, I think it's week 16 and it's going to be a, you know, two game sample size, which by the way, Fangio spoke to, he doesn't think that, uh, you know, it's, it's enough time to, to give a positive or a negative. And he thinks even if he started playing now, basically that he could get six games under his belt and they could get a false positive. He could play really well and, and they can get all excited and go into 2020 with him as a guy. And maybe he falls apart or vice versa. He could play terribly in six starts and then go into 2020 and, and all of a sudden have a really great career. He's saying that it's not enough of a sample size either way, basically, to give a definitive evaluation on a player, a young quarterback like Drew Locke, which, you know, he's the coach. Far be it from me to, you know, poke holes in, in his what he's seen in his 40 years in the league, Zach. But I think as a team where you fa- you are facing so many unknowns and you're, the, the one big missing piece to the puzzle remains the quarterback position, I can't see how in any way, shape, or form it could hurt to get as much information on lock this year as possible, get as much of an evaluation on lock this year as possible so that you know what you're dealing with going into the 2020 draft because you don't want 2017 to happen all over again. Right. And by that, I mean you're one year removed from drafting Paxton Lynch. So you think, oh, we're going to hold Pat. You know, he got a couple of games exposure, not enough to know either way. So we're going to go ahead and stay out of the quarterback sweepstakes in the 2017 draft. Meanwhile, you got guys like Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes who you could have grabbed in that draft. It's a great point. And yeah, I, I would hate the Broncos slow rolling this to the point that they, they back themselves into a corner and would have to go out next offseason and draft a quarterback or acquire another quarterback. And that whole false positive argument, if that's the way the Broncos are thinking, he can bust at any time, Chad. Look at Jared Goff. He took him to the Super Bowl last year, and now this season he looks back to playing very mediocre in a Sean McVay system. So he could bust at any time, Locke, but the Broncos can't operate in fear. They can't operate like they operated with Paxton Lynch. Even if he's bad, that way they know they can go into next season. They have him on the roster. They have Brandon Allen on the roster. They can go out and get another quarterback, but they just have to know one way or the other. And I wouldn't think that having short sample sizes and not really having a definitive conclusion on them would benefit them in any way as a decision maker. Yeah. Tony chipping in with a $2 donation on super chat and with a question, he wants to know what free agents after the season we could target. And Zach, I think first and foremost for the Broncos, the order of business has to be getting their priority free agents in house guys. Yeah. Chris Harris, Justin Simmons, not necessarily in that order, but Chris Harris, Justin Simmons, Shelby Harris. Yes. Um, You know, they need to, they need to get some clarity there, but, I'll pull up spot track. I'll let our viewers and uh, see this in real time and our listeners after the fact can hear it on the podcast uh, version. But what do you think are the two biggest, let's start with this. What's the number one if in free agency, if the Broncos need to go out and spend, what position do you think they need to spend some dollars? They're needing linemen of some sort, a guard and a tackle. They can use a, a speedster wide receiver. I mean, they have needs at cornerback if they like Chris Harris Jr. walk. But I'm of, you know, this is just me personally. I don't like looking at free agency until a little closer to the season. And so many things can change. Players can re-up. Players can, you know, force a way out of a team. We don't know what the landscape is going to look like just yet, but they have to shore up some major positions here. We're going to assume they're not going to go free agency or the trade market for another quarterback, but they got to go offensive line, defensive line. If Derek Wolf goes uh, secondary, they have some 
some holes they have to fill and they have the money to fill those holes with. All right. Just for the sake of taking care of our super chat, I'm going to show you guys here. I'm going to share the screen for a second so you can see what spot track shows as the available free agents for 2020. I don't know how well you guys can read this. Let me see how I can. I don't think I could do any better than that on the screen, but for those of you who can't read it, you got Andrew Whitworth at the very top of the list. He's 38 now. So he's going to be in his age 39 season next year. Anthony Costanzo in Indianapolis. You got Kelvin Beecham, Brian Bulaga. Uh, there are some names. Jason yeah, Peters. talent he's, there. He's getting yeah. older. But Tomorrow if you're Dawson. looking for, yes. Also, Jack Conklin, who had a great start to his career in Tennessee, has not had as, as great of a season this year. And last year, there's been some questions. But, you know, if the Broncos wanted to spend again at, at the tackle position, the problem, Zach, is that you know the every time John always tried to spend, with the exception of Jared Valdir, which was a trade, it's come back to really haunt and and yes. fight the team. That's that's a really good point. Yeah, Donald Stevenson, uh, Menelik Watson. Yeah, they they've really had some whiffs there. But there's some good names on the open market, Chad. I don't think obviously they're all in their 30s. They're not going to be 10 year starters, but. How many of them would be better than Garrett Bowles? I would say all of them. Can you yeah. be worse than Garrett Bowles? So maybe if they signed a stopgap like a Jason Peters, like a DeMar Dotson, and then used a first, second round pick on a left tackle, that's having a, a plan now and a plan for the future and not relying on Garrett Bowles. I'm still on the go after Tristan Wirfs or Andrew Thomas train in the first round and relegate Gordon or Garrett, Gordon, Garrett Bowles to your swing tackle position. I'm really reluctant, even at this stage, one thing I'm, I'm kind of inclined to agree, agree with Fangio on is even if Lott played all six games this year, unless he was literal remaining games, unless he was literally throwing like Nathan Peterman picks game in and game out, I don't think we're going to see enough there to say, you know, he's not that there's no hope for uh, him being the franchise guy. I really don't want the Broncos at this stage. And I, I know a lot of colleagues, even some of them at mile high huddle, disagree with me on this they think you got to keep going back to the well we had nick on the podcast a week or so back to say look you know if you don't know it's if you don't know that Locke is the guy it's incumbent upon you to you know see what you can find in the 2020 draft and while i'm not opposed to the broncos taking a quarterback at some point zach i don't want the broncos using a top 10 pick which they're cruising for at this stage on a quarterback when you still have drew Locke, who's the first round caliber player that you know nothing about so that's why i'm saying build the nest i'm i'm with eric trickle on this our lead draft analyst at milehighhuddle.com, build the nest around Locke and give him all of 2020. Now, Trevor here uh, just chipped in $20 on Super Chat. He says, Thank you, Trevor. I appreciate you, bro. He says, I think Elway must be serious about the whole two to three year lock development process because they are slow rolling the crap out of this. P.S. Why the heck isn't Jawan Winfrey getting snaps? The dude makes plays and more than Hamilton, which is true. I don't know what it is like. <laughs> Deshaun Hamilton showed some real chops, the sec, especially the final quarter last season when Sanders was on injured reserve and Demarius Thomas had been traded. And so you had Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton as the two starting wide receivers. Hamilton actually was better than Sutton during that four-game stretch to right. end the season, had a couple of touchdowns, and he was doing really well. I don't know what it is about this year. I mean, he plays his role well in terms of when he has to block and running routes that draw attention and free up other guys. But as a receiver – he has not emerged. He is not separating himself. Great route runner, but it's just not coming out in the wash. And meanwhile, to Trevor's point here, you've got Juwan Winfrey, who really showed well in the preseason, but they have basically flopped. For the most part, he's 
he's been a healthy scratch, Zach. So what do you what's what's your take for Trevor? My take is that there's and we talked about this a couple of pods ago with a quarterback like Joe Flacco and all the un, instability and all the inconsistency with Scangarello's play calling. How many star talents can be born this season from the Broncos? They're fortunate they can have Lindsey and Freeman running strong and, and having Cortland Sutton develop into the wide receiver one. Below them, though, I mean, they'll be lucky to get Fant going. They'll be lucky now to get Tim Patrick going. There's only, only so many snaps to go around in this offense and only so many players there to absorb those snaps and take advantage of them. It's a sophomore step back for Deshaun Hamilton. I don't know if it's Gangarello's scheme, the quarterbacking, or what, but you saw Tim Patrick come in, Chad, made an yeah. instant and immediate contribution. It's just that some players take to this offense more. Juwan Winfrey, more of a project. He, he made plays in preseason, but his development was still way behind, and he's a guy for the future. But right now, they have enough on their plate getting these star players involved before adding rookie players to the mix. I mean, I think they definitely need to, at some point, as, as far as you know, restocking the cupboards, they need to get a wideout who can really create separation underneath. And even though Hamilton can do that as a route runner, for whatever reason, he's not drawn looks from either quarterback. You need some speed. I mean, think of what the Chiefs have there for Patrick Mahomes and not only uh, Tyreek Hill, but Mecole Hardman. I mean, there's some real vertical speed and and quick twitch elements to that that game. And that's one thing the Broncos are lacking. Tim Patrick, he's a go-get-the-ball, big-bodied possession type of wide receiver. Cortland Sutton is developing into a bona fide, you know, Brandon Marshall level at his peak type of wide receiver. But you need a compliment to him. And I'm not, I mean, as encouraged as I was by Tim Patrick, four receptions, 77 yards last week against the Vikings. I'm not sure he is that long-term guy. I think he's more cut out to be the third guy in the rotation in terms of, you know, he's on he's on the field when you run three wide. He's on the field in 11 personnel and, other, and, and bigger packages. But you need that bona fide number two. A guy, a, a wide receiver more akin to Emmanuel Sanders in his prime than Tim Patrick. And I think they're going to have to go to the draft for that. And, Zach, there are some really good options in this year's draft, which is why – you can't completely rule out the possibility of the Broncos taking one of these blue chip wideouts in the first round this year, depending on how things unfold. And I think, Zach, in order for that to happen, you would need to see them trade back kind of like they did in this past draft and take Noah Fant at pick 20. I think you need to see a similar thing in order for Elway to feel comfortable taking a wide receiver round one. I'm with you on that, and after seeing the Vikings, it's like you have Stephon Dick, but they have Adam Thielen too, and that's a great one-two combo there. They need a, a possession receiver and a guy underneath to do those that damage. That was supposed to be Emmanuel Sanders. They don't have him anymore. They don't have a burner. That was supposed to be Brendan Langley. That didn't work out. They really have possession receivers in this offense. They are all cut from the same cloth, and I think it would help everyone's game if, like Chad said, they had a guy, a smaller guy, a speedy guy underneath not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. 
Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, you know, freeing up the defense and kind of creating some more space. So maybe in the draft, not a top priority, but a priority nonetheless. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, guys, we'll get to some of your questions here in the comment stream before we get out of here. Uh, from Aaron Lynch, he says, the defense fell apart when the Vikings changed the tempo. It seems like a complicated system that can be great with time and better player chemistry. Who do you think needs to get paid for that to happen? Well, We've already touched on it tonight, but absolutely, Justin Simmons, the Broncos need to get him back. Yeah. He has really taken to the Fangio scheme, which is very safety-friendly. I mean, safeties tend to be very prolific and productive in Fangio's scheme, as do the off-ball linebackers. Look no further at the way Todd Davis and Alexander Johnson have emerged this year. I mean, Todd Davis gets a lot of grief from Broncos fans and for being the slow guy and all that, but he's actually one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL this year. Okay, per based on advanced analytics, and he's been a tackling machine. He has completely thrived in this system for Fangio that really helps from a coverage perspective, linebackers and safeties. And the same goes for Alexander Johnson. The same goes for Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. So, Zach, I think you got to to get to what Aaron's saying here. You got to get Justin Simmons re-signed, but that's only half the battle because the Harris's, the Chris Harris and Shelby Harris, yeah. two key components. If if this team's ever going to learn how to close defensively, I would think you would need both those guys back in the saddle, but it's going to be hard to get both of them. It's going to be hard to get either of them, let alone both of them. Right. I'm with you 100% on the logic there, Chad. My priority list, though, is Simmons 1 and then Shelby Harris 2. You need interior disruptors. You can never have too many pass rushers. He's good against the run. He's disruptive. He has definitely earned a new contract. And in this Fangio defense, the secondary is so important. And that's one spot on this team where we're seeing a noticeable difference from last year is the secondary. So Simmons is by far the number one priority. Shelby Harris, though. Needs a new contract. He's balled every single year. And it's as we've seen in Super Bowls, defense wins championships. They need interior pass rushers, and he's the perfect guy for the job. Tony says, my friend thinks Fangio should be fired, and he's another Wade Phillips. What's your thought, guys? Um, no, I, I don't think Fangio has done – let me put it this way. Nothing Fangio has done this year or hasn't done, to me, uh, des- is deserving of him not getting at least two years at the job. Right. All right? Yeah. And it's not going to happen. He's he's not going to get fired, even if the Broncos don't lose another or don't win another game, and they finish you know three and thirteen this year. Vic Fangio will get another opportunity, and deservedly so. Like you're seeing how his imprint is starting to affect the team defensively. If you look at the metrics, I know that they have crumbled in the clutch in four games this year that they should have won, where the Broncos had the lead in the fourth quarter, and three of those losses came with a walk off field goal. But if you look at the statistics, I mean, we're talking about a defense that has that went from the first quarter of the season, everybody's still learning, kind of figuring out Fangio's scheme, very much still in the learning curve phase. They went from being the 27th ranked rushing defense, allowing the likes of who was it that busted off 200 on them earlier this year, um, running back. Anyway, 
neither here nor there. But allowing a 200-yard rusher in a game, name escapes me, to now, okay, now that everyone's starting to get on the same page, they've learned, they've absorbed this system, the Broncos have already climbed back to number 11 as a rushing defense. Passing defense, they're top five. So at third down defense, they've been really good with the exception of Minnesota. Same with the red zone. So you're seeing that side of the ball coalesce and his imprint starting to really make a difference. His detail-oriented approach as a coach and as a leader, he needs more time, and so does Rich Scangarello. The question here, Zach, is not do you fire the head coach. The question is you need a DACM quarterback. And at this stage, there's really only one guy on this roster that has the makeup or the possibility or the skill set or the traits or the attributes, whatever you want to say, of being the possible franchise guy, and it's Drew Locke, which is why you got to get them on the field. Yes. And uh, in terms of Fangio, I mean, Vance Joseph, let's, he got two years. Let's be honest here. He, Van, Vic Fangio can lose every game from here on out. They can get blown out by 50 points every game. He's still getting another season, and he deserves one. We don't know if he's one of those guys like Wade Phillips, who's a better coordinator than head coach. He's, I think, done more good than bad, Chad. He hasn't been this mastermind that I think a lot of us thought he'd be right out of the gate, taking a little bit of an adjustment period. Might be rubbing people the wrong way behind closed doors, but he brings a lot of good to this organization, and once he gets the right quarterback and the right offense in place, combined with that defense, they're going to be a pretty formidable team. Agreed. And yes, it was Leonard Fournette, week four, Jacksonville Jaguars. Thanks for that, guys. Um, Last year was Crowell. Crowell and and uh, Todd Gurley in back-to-back weeks. Good times. Great Crowell times. Vance. Um, all right, one or two more guys, and then we will wish you a good evening here. Let me, let me see what we got. And let's see here. Here's one from Andy. Broncos need to change their mindset coming into games and not for them to be surprised when they do well. And then later on in the gale, in the game, shell up thoughts. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Is you know, it's the fake it till you make it. Act like you've been there before. You know, several times, even with Flacco as the starter, they got out to seventeen point lead at one point earlier in this twice actually in two games in the first half of the season. They get out to a twenty to nothing lead in, in Minnesota, and then it's you you can feel it. All it takes is that one turn of the tide where yeah. a good team. They resist the turn of the tide when they, a momentum swing appears to be happening. That's when on the next series, whether it's defense, offense, whatever, swung it, that next series, they battle back and they make it clear that we're not going to let that one small little thing dictate the, the flow of the remainder of the game. Whereas the Broncos, all it takes is that one – they could be riding high. I mean, we talked about this in the gut reaction, man, that first half in Minnesota. I mean, every fork in the road where something could have gone wrong – I mean, it was the opposite of Murphy's Law for the Denver Broncos. It was everything went right that could possibly have gone right, with the exception of that one interception Allen threw at the end of the second quarter, which turns out, Zach, to be that momentum swing that instead of the Broncos going into halftime and saying, we can battle back from that, you know, they get the here we go again, you know, start looking at their feet, their you-know-what in the dirt, poor me, hanging their heads. Good teams are resilient enough to overcome that. Great teams will force you into those mistakes like the Patriots. Everyone seems to melt down when playing the Patriots because they're that well coached. Bad teams like the Broncos. Chad, I got to echo what you say all the time. The Broncos don't know how to win anymore. They have to relearn how to win. They forgot how to do it. When they get a lead, it's like they they rest on that. They get comfortable and complacent. And in the NFL, those are fatal flaws. You can never be comfortable until it's final zero on that game clock. And, and when they don't have any urgency, any sense to step on their throats and put the game away until the game is over, it's going to keep happening. They have to learn how to win. And like you say, fake it until you make it. If you can't do it on your own, at least pretend like you know 
like you've been there before. All right, last one, you guys, and then we will cut you loose for tonight. We'll be back again tomorrow night. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Kathleen says, why do you two think that Elway and Fangio don't want to play Drew Locke? Are they afraid Locke can't read a defense, that he can't play under center, or the, the offense has no confidence in Locke? I honestly think at this stage it was a combination of the team really never intended on their plan was to not have to play lock that literally his rookie year was going to be a developmental year. And the injury only made that even more convenient for them in the, in the preseason. They had Flacco Elway said during the off season, Flacco's the guy locks the future. They thought Flacco was going to be a lot more impactful than he was. And when that turned out to not only go South in terms of Flacco was terrible, but then he got hurt it suddenly forced the issue. And what we're witnessing, this is my opinion from the outside looking in, you're witnessing a team resisting the urge to go back on what their original plan for Locke was, which is he's going to sit this year. He's going to develop, he's going to learn, and then he's going to re-attack it in 2020. And the team, you know, look hard at giving him the torch, passing the torch to him, maybe cutting ties with Flacco. But now it's a totally different thing. And, and so now it's basically them trying to make the best of a situation that was not ideal. They wanted Locke to be developing and learning at this stage. And now it's a matter of, well, because we put him on IR, we can't go from him having zero reps, no physical snaps in practice. And then one week he's a starter. No, we got to get him his practice reps. Now we, if we're going to play him, we got to do it right. We got to get him some snaps and get him as ready as possible. But Zach, my concern on this is you can't wait for the perfect opportunity. You can't wait till you draw the dolphins or the Bengals on the schedule before you debut Locke. Get him his week. Get him his two weeks. If you have to wait three weeks before he starts, that actually works out fine, Zach, because that means he's starting in week 13. Here's the deal. Joe Flacco was by far and away Broncos' plan A. Drew Locke, when they drafted him, was plan C. When Flacco got hurt, they had no plan B. They didn't know how to react to that. Like you just said, Chad, they were anticipating Flacco, maybe not being an MVP, maybe not being a pro bowler, but some guy who was going to play all 16 games at a competent level. Combined with that and Locke's injury, they were left scrambling when they had Brandon Allen as the the savior behind them. So they really had no plan in place, and they were all never on the same page. And in fact, they still aren't. But I will say this for Elway, though. He told us almost from day one that Drew Locke is a project quarterback. He's a guy who needs to work on his footwork, his technique, his, his skills in the huddle, his intangibles, his leadership abilities before the Broncos feel comfortable making him the potential face of the franchise. So Elway told us that, but I think something changed between Flacco's injury and uh, and Locke's development or lack thereof. They just don't seem to have a lot of confidence in him, and they're delaying the inevitable. I'm sure yeah. some of that is, is ego-driven. I'm sure some of that is not wanting to make a mistake and playing it safe, but it looks worse for them when they hide Drew Locke than if they just play him. Yeah. What, what did Fangio say? A pitcher that doesn't know how to pitch, right? So exactly. clearly the team – felt like he needed time to develop and far be it for me to disagree. I think he did need some time, but at a certain point, you know, he's had, he was, he was healthy for the last three weeks before they even let him practice again. Now it's time. I mean, the, the, the nature or the way in which this season has unfolded kind of dictates that ready or not, we have to get Drew Locke on the field ideal or not stars perfectly aligned or not. We really have to because it's a failed season. We thought we were going to be competitive and win this year. It didn't work out that way, which means we cannot um, we can't 
miss out on the opportunity to get some information on Drew Locke and also get him his, I use this term, his, his Jared Goff 0-7 experience. I mean, he needs that experience now, especially being a raw guy. And as Fangio said today, if he doesn't have the mental makeup to hang in these tough moments while he's still learning on the job and rolling with the punches, then it was never meant to be anyway. I, well, something just came to me in the sense that if they're babying him that much, Chad, if they're protecting him and holding him back after he just said to the Broncos, I'm ready, put me out there, what does that do to his confidence? Them saying to Drew Locke, we don't think you're good enough to play in a non-perfect situation. We don't think you're good enough to play in a lost season. Wouldn't that be worse for his confidence than, than playing him and getting him on the field and having him throw a couple picks in a game? I don't agree right. at all with the way they're handling him, and I think they're doing more damage than good by hiding him and behind these excuses when he's already said, I am ready to go, I am waiting on you. He cannot grab the bull by the horns if the Broncos are keeping him segregated from the bull. Dre says, Locke needs weapons around him to develop. He's got them, dude. Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. Two of Philip the Lindsay, most- Royce Freeman. I mean, he has weapons. There's no excuse. And the offensive line is nowhere near as bad as fans make it out to be. Some fans, not our awesome, educated, smart listeners. But a lot of fans out there pan the Broncos O-line. But they've actually, with the exception of Garrett Bowles and Ron Leary's you know, penchant in that first half of the season for drawing the yellow laundry, this offensive line has not been terrible. And you've seen that with a more competent quarterback uh, over the last two weeks. You know They can hang as long as Garrett Bowles, in fact, in that Vikings game, he did quite well as a pass blocker going against Everson Griffin and Danielle Hunter. And with the exception of the, the penalties, he was a serviceable left tackle. So I'm not, I don't subscribe, Zach, to the notion that Drew Locke, if they put him behind that offensive line, he's, he's going to get killed. Dalton Reisner's playing well. Connor McGovern's playing well. Yes. Leary has significantly improved the last quarter of a season. And, you know, you got to worry about the tackles, but he is a mobile quarterback and the weapons are there. That shouldn't be a concern. Plus, if, if they want to play him and they're so worried about the tackles or so worried about bowls, call some design rollouts, move the pocket, put a tight end on bowl side, give him some chip help. There's things the Broncos can do to help Locke's play calling and help him succeed more, but to hide him on the bench and to give all these, these theoretical excuses as to why he shouldn't play, I think it just does more harm for his psyche than, than actually playing him. John, you do realize that Noah Fant is already set every rookie record for the Broncos <laughs> as a tight end and you're not even three-quarters of the way through the season yet, the last two weeks have showcased what Noah Fant can be. All right, He had that huge breakout game against the Browns, and he, and he followed that up with another above-average performance, I would say, against the Vikings. And, yeah, you wish that he was able to catch that last pass in the end zone that ended the game, but, you know, there was, there was some interference there after the fact. If you go back and watch it, there's an article up right now at Mile High uh, milehighhuddle.com of Eric Trickle breaking down those four final four plays of the Broncos and on the Tim Patrick corner play and that Noah Fant play, the final one, there was some interference there. So, you know, you got to keep that in mind. But they let him play in those final closing moments. Unless it's egregious, they're going to let him play. As Fangio said, they call it a five-car pile. He calls it a five-car pileup. Unless you see that, they're going to hold the yellow laundry late in the game. But, Zach, I think it's pretty evident. This is the last thing we'll end on. Oh, Christy, jumping in late. Sorry that uh, you're, you're jumping in right at the tail end, but we'll be back tomorrow night, same time. Um, but Noah Fant is emerging. Yes, I do think he's a weapon for this guy now, and he might not be a you know um, Pro Bowl inline blocker yet, but as a passing weapon, which is what you're alluding to, absolutely. 
Yeah, took the words right from my mouth, Chad. He's not a pro bowler. He's not a Travis Kelsey out there, but you're, you'd be damn bet that de- opposing defensive coordinators are game planning for Noah Fant. When he's on the field and it's a passing situation, he's being accounted for. He can make plays. He's on a pro bowler, but how can any Broncos fan after watching the tight end since Julius Thomas would poo-poo any tight end right now, especially a rookie who's getting better by the week? All right, guys, that's got to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We went 45 minutes, which is probably about 15 minutes longer than we average. Thank you for each and every one of you hanging out with us live here on YouTube and Facebook. Big ups and mile high salute to our donations on Super Chat. You guys are phenomenal. And we've got a lot of cool things planned for our Super Chat donators that we're going to continue to unfold as we get farther into this season. And by the time you guys talk to us next, we're going to have some specific instructions for our super chat donators who have contributed in the month of October and November to get in touch with us, to start getting some merch, some thank yous sent your way. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you're following the show. You guys on Twitter at huddle up pod. You can find my partners at Kelberman on Twitter. As you can see here at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. And remember Zach is going to have a column coming to milehighhuddle.com on a weekly basis, starting in the very near future, probably this week, you think, Zach? Yeah, for sure. Stay tuned for that, guys. So stay tuned for that, and it's not going to be news. It's going to be analysis. It's going to be opinion. It's going to be maybe some hot takes. It's going to be you know, hard-hitting column from Zach Kelberman, so stay tuned for that. But, Zach, we'll be back tomorrow night, same time, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern, for the final Huddle Up podcast episode of this week. Stay tuned for that. Zach, have a good night, my brother. You too. See you tomorrow night, Chad. See you tomorrow. All of our great listeners and viewers that are with us now, thanks again for joining us. We will talk to you tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. 
They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.